0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to then there were two, History of the World Series. I'm Jeffrey Clark, being joined virtually by Lucas Mitchell, as always. And Lucas, we have a troubled backdrop for this year, as we will for the next few years.
1: We do. We alluded to this a little bit in prior episodes, but for those of you familiar with your world history, in addition to baseball history, you had the backdrop last year of war going on in Europe and really the past couple of prior years. But you had in December of 1941, Japan attacking Pearl Harbor, the U S gets dragged into world war II first in the Pacific and then over in Europe. So you have all of this going on in the background, kind of, I don't want to necessarily say muddying the picture of the 1942 baseball season, but it definitely plays a role at this point.
0: Well, we'll see more of this over the next couple of episodes, but in 1942, for the most part, baseball is unaffected as far as the personnel that is available or unavailable, depending on your perspective. Uh, Let's start off with the familiar team in this World Series, the American League champion New York Yankees, who have not lost a World Series since 1926. They won their pennants very easily, and you have to take a look at how popular this team was as far as a World Series pick. Joe DiMaggio hit three oh five with 123 runs, which was second to Ted Williams. 114 runs batted in, also second to Williams. 21 homers, 13 triples. You have Charlie Keller scoring 106 runs, driving 108, and 114 walks, which was second to, guess who, Ted Williams. Phil Rizzuto, in his second MLB season, steals 22 bases. Of course, he was a prolific base stealer last year. And Joe Gordon, who is his infield partner, hits 322 with 103 RBIs, fourth in the American League. The pitching is strong as well. You have Tiny Bonham, whom we alluded to at the end of the last episode. Remember, he won the clinching game for the Yankees in the 41 World Series. You had Spud Chandler and Hank Barwee. They were 2nd, 3rd, and 5th in the AL in ERA at 2.27, 2.37, 2.53, respectively. Bonham was 21-5, and five, which was 2nd in wins to Tex Houston of Boston. And the Yankees had quite a run to the American League pennants. They were 103-51. and 51. They came 9 games ahead of the 2nd-place Red Sox. Ted Williams was... Really disliked by the sports writers, he loses the MVP votes to Gordon by a margin of 270-249, to 249, even though Gordon led the American League in strikeouts with 95 and errors with 28. So, a little early showing of New York media bias towards the New York baseball team that dominates.
1: Maybe a little bit. I'm just impressed that the uh, league-leading strikeout total by a hitter was 95. That just goes to show you how different baseball is nowadays. You mentioned this pitching staff. The Yankees as a team put up a two ninety one ERA. Tiny Bonham had a sub one whip in the regular season to go with that twenty one and five,
0: two twenty seven
1: ERA. So maybe that one game really helped him turn the corner in his career.
0: Moving over to the National League, this would be a rematch of the 41 World Series with the Brooklyn Dodgers, but for a hot run by the St. Louis Cardinals going 43-8 and to finish the regular season. The Dodgers had a half game lead in August, but the aforementioned Cardinals run allowed them to win the National League pennant by two games. So a very, very close pennant race. This Cardinals team was put together by Branch Rickey, whom is often referred to as the architect of the modern farm system. Kind of similar to what the Cardinals have been more recent years. A lot of homegrown products, some well known, some not so much. You have Stan Musial hitting three fifteen, Enos Slaughter hitting three eighteen. You have shortstop Marty Marion leading the league in doubles with thirty eight. You have outfielder Terry Moore and catcher Walker Cooper. Cooper's teammate and brother, Mort Cooper, was the MVP this year, winning 22 games and having a 1.77 ERA. And then you have 24-year-old Johnny Beasley. He was second to Cooper and wins with 21 and an ERA, 2.13 there. Those two led the best pitching staff in the league to an ERA of 2.55. The average age for this Cardinals team was only 26, And Bill James, the famous baseball historian, estimates that these Cardinals won 17 games only by their defense, which made them one of the best defensive teams in history. So you have all of these players. By the way, Musio is a rookie here. He had 397 on base percentage. So the Cardinals have a chance to be the first team since their 1926 counterparts to beat the Yankees in a World Series. The Yankees are 32-4
1: and in their last eight World Series, which is absolutely incredible. Um, You mentioned uh, this Stan Musial's rookie year. He had a cup of coffee with the Cardinals in 1941, played in 12 games, and did a decent job in limited action. Comes up here in 1942, and you mentioned a lot of the numbers. Finished 12th in MVP voting in 1942, and just... Kind of fun to go through and look at the um, historical numbers and just going through. And I noticed that he ended up pitching one game in 1952. We can go back to that a little bit later. Um, But just a pretty good rookie year for one, Stan Musial. This whole Cardinal team, though, you mentioned kind of Branch Rickey and the modern farm system. And looking at this roster, other than... Uh, Harry Gumbert who played in 38 games for the Cardinals this season this entire squad homegrown
0: again just goes to show you how much player development has been a Cardinals tradition for the longest time and I'm sure we'll see this again again as we talk about future Cardinals World Series appearances
1: indeed yeah this uh, 106 win campaign for the Cardinals by the way a uh, franchise record for victories in a season
0: very impressive to see a team winning 103 games and a team winning 106 games matching up in the World Series. Probably one of the better matchups we have seen in a World Series to this point. So in keeping with the popularity of support for the troops at that time, at least one World Series program has a baseball player buying war bonds and stamps at a booth. So if you've seen the historical pictures from baseball at this time, you know, all the teams are wearing health patches. So, World War II, while it might not have ravaged the major leagues as far as the town pool just yet, everybody is very well aware of what's going on, and World War II already is making a stamp on the World Series as insignificant as it seems right now. So, we go to Game 1, and the Cardinals uncharacteristically make four errors. Drink. March Cooper is knocked out. And the Yankees have a seven-nothing lead going into the bottom of the ninth. Red Ruffing had held the Cardinals hitless until the eighth inning, but then the Cardinals score four runs and they load the bases with two outs. Muzio comes up to the plate. Spud Chandler, who has come in in relief, gets Muzio to ground out. It was Muzio's second out of the inning, and the Yankees win by a score of seven-two-four. But Max Lanier, Cardinals pitcher, remember the ninth inning comeback. And he said it, quote-unquote, showed we could throw a scare into the Yankees, and then we did more than scare them. A little bit of foreshadowing right there.
1: Very much so. But yeah, you mentioned the four errors, and it didn't really hurt the Cardinals too much in the early going. The Yankees opening the scoring in the top of the fourth, an RBI double by Buddy Hazlitt scores Joe DiMaggio. To get the ball rolling, DiMaggio ends up uh, knocking in a run on a fielder's choice in the top of the fifth to make it a two-nothing ball game, and then the wheels come off a little bit in the top of the eighth. The Yankees are able to put together a little bit of a two-out rally, and pitcher Red Ruffing ends up "quote unquote" helping his own cause when Cardinal right fielder Enos Slaughter misplays a fly ball. That allows Dickey to score, and uh, Buddy Hassett coming around as well. Ruffing gets into second. That makes it a 4-0 game. That is what ends up knocking Mort Cooper out of the game. And then it just ends up hurting a little bit more in the top of the ninth. You have a leadoff single by Red Rolfe. To start the ninth inning uh, Roy Cullenbine bounces back to the mound Max Lanier with an errant throw On the sacrifice bunt Rolfe ends up coming all the way around to score The Yankees able to get some other guys on And with Joe Gordon at the plate And Charlie Keller on first He gets picked off But another errant throw by Lanier Allows uh, Roy Cullenbine, Who had reached on the initial error To come around and score But then, you know, you mentioned bottom of the ninth. The Cardinals able to put a little scare in. They get four runs in. Stan Musial makes both the first out and the final out of that bottom of the ninth to get us our 7-4 final.
0: So while the sportsman park crowd undoubtedly have left the game disappointed at the outcome, they probably had it put in their heads saying, you know what? It's a long series. This team shows that it can compete with the mighty Yankees. And sure enough, in Game 2, Johnny Beasley is on the mound for the Cardinals. The game is tied at 3-3 in the bottom of the 8th. Musial singles in Slaughter with the go-ahead run. Uh, The Yankees attempt to come back in the ninth. You have Tuck staying back on 1st, but he has the singling to right field. But Slaughter rushes over to cut off the ball, and then he throws the ball big time. And I mean big time. And he gets Stanton back at third base. The Yankees lose this by a score of 4-3. to three. So Beasley is able to hold the Yankees to only a three-run eighth inning. And despite the Yankees outhanging the Cardinals 10-6, to six, it's obvious which team had the more clutch plays here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The Yankees did a good job in the top of the eighth having been down... 3 nothing. coming back uh, Joe DiMaggio with an RBI single, knocking in Roy Cullenbein, and then Charlie Keller follows that up with a two-run homer, ends up tying the game before the aforementioned Cardinal rally in the bottom half of inning number eight. And Part of that assisted Nina Slaughter with a two-out double in the bottom of the eighth. He advances to third on an error by Yankee shortstop Phil Rizzuto. Now, granted, given that Stan Musial singled the next play, I would assume Slaughter would be able to come around and score regardless, so that error probably doesn't matter. It got charged as an earned run to Tiny Bottom, so I'm guessing they kind of felt the same way, but a good job by the Cardinals is they're able to kind of take the little bit of a spark that they got in Game 1 and apply it to Game 2, to be able to say, okay, you know what? We were able to salvage a split at home. Let's go to Yankee Stadium.
0: Yeah, really nice to have the momentum of losing a 3-0 lead and then having that clutch run in the eighth and then some nice uh, defense by Slaughter. So Slaughter helping his cause on both ends. Also, we should have mentioned this uh, right before we talked about game one. Tommy Henrik played for the Yankees during the regular season hit 267, had an OPS of 782, 13 home runs, 67 RBIs. But right before the World Series, he was drafted into the Army. So that was it for his season. And he was going to have to watch his team from afar to see how they would do in the World Series. So keep in mind, the Yankees are missing one of their key hitters, even though they still have plenty. But Will Henrik's absence really affects the series as it heads to yankee stadium
1: well let's have to see as we go into game three at yankee stadium the cardinals turn to ernie white as the pitcher and he spins an absolute gem in game three
0: yes he does and their defense uh, is back to form musio slaughter more all have impressive plays in the outfield ernie white he was played most of the season by a sore arm but he pitches a 2 to nothing shutout. And not only that, the Yankees show how they might not be so tough from a mental or emotional standpoint at this point. They lose their cool completely. Joe McCarthy complains about everything from where the Cardinals' bat boy was standing to White's using the rosin bag, more specifically how he was using it. There were three close calls by the umps, and the Yankees were arguing that. And then Joe DiMaggio tried to throw out Moore going from first to third on a single. Moore was called safe. And then Frank Crescetti was playing third. He spiked the ball on the ground in disgust. And then he grabs umpire Bill Summers and shoves him. And Summers shoves right back. So, can you imagine the Yankee faithful 69,123 in awe at Yankee Stadium having to witness their team completely losing it like this?
1: Oh, I'm sure they were pretty unhappy with... uh the umpiring in this game too based off of how the yankees players were reacting and i'm sure it kind of turned into a little bit of them both kind of feeding off of each other i'm just impressed that you have an umpire getting shoved and then shoving back
0: it just makes me think i mean everybody knows that shoving umpires is a major no-no and if a player did that today they would get a lengthy suspension but can you imagine an umpire retaliating as soon as they got shoved or swung at or whatever. I mean, then you have like a whole thing going on with the umpires union probably. And, you know, they're put in a tough spot because, you know, as we know all too often from watching baseball these days, very rarely are umpires held accountable. But I would say that if you were the commissioner, you saw an umpire do that, you wouldn't have any other choice but to impose discipline on the umpire as well, because I mean, umpires are supposed to keep their cool. And if you show that you're no better than the player, doing what should be a major no-no. You really have to uh, lay down the law there. You'd
1: have to trust the commissioner's office to be able to impose the discipline on the players that you would expect for a situation like that. And would you really want to open Pandora's box by not punishing an umpire for doing something like that? I mean, I'm sure there's at least a couple of guys you can think of off the top of your head right now that if they were in this hypothetical situation that this happened and they weren't
0: punished, Oh, man, the backlash. We'll move on to Game 4. We've talked enough about this. Uh, March Cooper was knocked out of the game for the second time in that series, and the Cardinals still won this game by a score of 9-6. to six. Lanier, whom we mentioned earlier, was the winning pitcher for this one so now a whole lot to talk about here although the teams combined for 15 runs as we could tell from that score 22 hits the Yankees score five of their six runs in the sixth the Cardinals earlier scored six of their nine runs in the fourth
1: Yeah, no, a couple of crooked numbers in this one. That uh, top of the fourth with the Yankees leading 1-0 after three. It's just the Cardinals putting together a big rally. They end up loading the bases with nobody out. Whitey Kurowski with a two-run single to give them the lead. A two-run single to follow by Mort Cooper, helping his own cause there. Additional run scoring hits by Terry Moore. And then Stan Musial, who started the inning with a bunt single back to the mound, Doubles home the 6th and final run of the frame And then you mentioned that 5-run uh, rally back by the Yankees That comes in the bottom of the 6th uh, You get the first couple guys on Roy Cullenbein with an RBI single to make it 6-2 to two. Charlie Keller, a 3-run home run off of Mort Cooper Makes it a 1-run game That knocks Cooper out of the game Harry Gummert comes in into pitch You have Joe Gordon reaching on an error By Cardinal 3rd baseman Whitey Kurowski and then Jerry Pretty doubling home the run that ties the game. But then the Cardinals come right back, again, as they are wont to do, and retake the lead. You get uh, Walker Cooper with an RBI single to score Enos Slaughter. Marty Marion with a sacrifice fly later in the inning makes it 8-6. to six. Cardinals take on some insurance in the top of the ninth, and the Yankees unable to really do anything about it.
0: So we go to game five with their backs up against the wall. The Yankees turn to a reliable veteran in red roughing. The Cardinals decide to send Beasley out for the second time in the series, and the two pitchers are very good in this one. The game is tied at 2-2 going into the top of the ninth. Oh, by the way, the Cardinals end up committing four errors for the second time in this series, in this game.
1: But I was told that their defense was really, really good.
0: Well, it's not going to matter, because what happens is Y.D. Kurowski, whom you just mentioned, only nine home runs at this point is major career. He was a rookie this year. He takes roughing deep for a two-run homer, which lands just inside the foul pole and the Yankees look like they might come back in the ninth, but Walker Cooper picks off Joe Gordon at second base. The Cardinals win the game 4-2. to They have their World Series championship over the Yankees yet again.
1: Yeah, it seems like that's the kryptonite for the Yankees is the St. Louis Cardinals. They survive. You mentioned the four-error game here. Whitey Kurowski, that game-winning two-run homer in the ninth, The second home run of the game by the Cardinals. Ina Slaughter tying the game at 1 in the top of the 4th with a home run to lead off that inning. Scoring opened uh, Phil Rizzuto home run to lead off the bottom of the 1st for the Yankees. Joe DiMaggio with an RBI single in the bottom of the 4th accounted for the other New York run in this game.
0: A lot of people thought the Cardinals' base running was the key to their series win. The Cardinals actually did not steal any bases in this series, but they took... An extra base on a lot of hits and as one reporter wrote they just ran hell out of the yankees on the bases casey stengel was watching the fifth game from the stands and he said it isn't a ball club it's a track team yeah i'd have to look through
1: all of the uh, box scores again and see how many extra bases the uh, cardinal hitters were able to get so i'm gonna go and look through that here a little bit here for a moment
0: but let me just say, it was actually not Gordon being picked off that end of the series for the Yankees. Jerry Pretty hit a pop fly to second base, and then George Selkirk was hitting for rough and He grounded out to second base, so that was the end of the series right there. Beasley pitching a complete game. Jeff, what you are looking for now, Lucas?
1: I am taking a look still. It's probably going to take me a minute to... Get through. So, no extra bases in game one for the Cardinals. That was the one where they had that late rally in the ninth to try to make it interesting. Did not manage any extra bases there.
0: Well, Lucas, while you're looking that up, let me just mention really quickly Phil Rizzuto of the Yankees. We mentioned he was kind of a big deal for the Yankees last year, and he was a big deal for them, the Yankees, this year. This year, he leads all series regulars with a 381 batting average, has an OPS of 959. Uh, he has eight hits, but only one that was an extra base hit it was one home run. And you have to imagine with how the Cardinals were just running on the Yankees left and right, you have to imagine that uh, not having many more extra base hits played a factor into the Cardinals winning this series.
1: So by my count here early on, I counted three extra bases apiece in each of Game 2 and 3. It played more of a role in Game 3 with the Cardinals getting their insurance runs. We have the couple of extra bases during the part of that um, rally in the top of the fourth in game four, that six-run rally that uh, really helped them there. We had a couple extra in the top of the seventh when the Cardinals were able to retake the lead. So by my count, a minimum of four in game four, so that gives us 10 for the series.
0: And we also have to keep in mind, that the Cardinals had a better pitching staff in this series. They had 2.60 ERA to the Yankees' 4.50. So it should come as no surprise that if we're going to pick a World Series MVP, remember, we're still not quite in the era where World Series MVPs are being picked, it would definitely have to go to Beasley for his 2-0 record and a 2.50 ERA over the course of 18 innings, a pair of complete games on his part. So, Definitely a fond memory, undoubtedly, for Beasley throughout the rest of his life.
1: Yeah, I'm inclined to agree looking at the numbers. A lot of the hitting stats, did nothing really jumped out at me. You had two home runs and a total of eight extra base hits for the Cardinals in the series. I mean, Walker Cooper hitting two eighty-six drove in a team high, or sorry, not a team high four runs, but he drove in four. Whitey Kurowski hit two sixty-seven drove in a team high five had the series winning home run but yeah i'm i'm inclined to go johnny beasley as well just looking you know best pitcher won two of the four cardinals uh victories in this one had six strikeouts over 18 innings mort cooper led the uh, staff with nine by the way so by my final semi-unofficial count i counted 11 extra bases That the Cardinals were able to get. And you know, again, that number is approximate over the course of the series. I didn't count any in game one. Three apiece in games two and three, including some key ones in game three, helping not tack on an insurance run. Four in game four, including a bunch to help with that rally in that six-run inning. And then one in the clinching game that I think helped tie the game at two if I counted correctly so you know I definitely think that base running while the Cardinals went 0 for 1 in stolen base attempts for the series Stan Musial was caught stealing on the lone attempt by the Cardinals in this five game set their ability to go and get the extra bases off of base hits definitely played a role
0: Let me just talk a little bit about Johnny Beasley. He literally was a one-year wonder. Uh, This was his first full season in the major leagues, and then he is in the military for the next three years. So Game 5 of the 42 World Series is his final game until 1946, and the time away from baseball must have really taken a toll because... He drops from a 2.13 ERA and a 21-6 record in 1942 all the way down to a 7-5 record and a 4.46 ERA in 1946. And then he spends the next three seasons with the Braves, but he only pitches in 13 games, only starts four of them. His last game comes in 1949. He dies in 1990. But I'm sure that he would have still preferred... The fact that he served his country during the biggest conflict in its history or at least in modern history as opposed to being remembered for having one really really good season in major league baseball
1: yeah i'm sure given the circumstances like that would be his
0: preference and we will hear
1: a tiny bit more about johnny beasley in a few episodes from now when he makes an appearance in another world series
0: Yes. And we won't see the Cardinals with Branch Ricky again, because barely a month after this World Series ends, he leaves the Cardinals to become the president of the Dodgers. So the Cardinals would keep on waiting for a few more years, but pretty soon Ricky would assemble a new dynasty in Brooklyn. And I know that Cardinals fans were probably unhappy to see him leave, but considering the Cardinals history both soon after this and the future you're probably not feeling sorry for them lucas uh
1: no i am definitely not feeling sorry for them at all there is a part of me that wonders if a segment of the fan base would have called branch ricky a traitor as opposed to a traitor but we'll leave that debate for the
0: um replies on best fan st louis so I think we're done for 1942. These teams will meet again in 1943, but the war is still going on. That means a few more noble names are going to be missing from this. We mentioned Tommy Henrik not being present in 1942, but we'll have to see who is missing from 1943 between these teams, won't we? Yep, and to see who is missing, you will have to tune in next week to find out. So for Lucas Spitzel, I'm Jeffrey Clark. Thank you for listening to our 1942 episode of Then There Were Two, History of the World Series. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us as well. We will see you next time.